Woi woi, woi woi, woi woi. Then it then go on the radio again. Yo, if you wanna smoke free weed, go board yourself. You need to go plant a seed. Go board yourself, make your knowledge increase. Go board yourself, go board yourself, go board yourself. All right, hey everybody, welcome to episode seven of Grow Bud Yourself. We have a great show for you guys today. We've got Dragonfly Earth Medicine, a great cultivation segment featuring our strain of the fortnight, a talk on harvesting properly, and we get to play Grow Room Time Machine. So stick around for episode seven of Grow Bud Yourself. All right. As always, thank you to Jacques and Win Strong for the tune. Grow bud yourself, you guys. This is episode seven. How are you feeling, Mike? I'm pretty good. We've made it through six, so you know, seven seems like the logical next step. <laughs> yes, indeed. And uh, yeah, we've got quite a show for you guys. It's nice to be back. You know, with like a live show, sort of. We, yeah, you know, we did mean, the I, panel last week, uh, which was the great. Weekly formats too. I mean, I love. You know, being consistent and putting out a show every week uh, is real exciting. And I think, you know, we're building an audience. We've got people all over the world, which is incredible. When I look at uh, the demographics there, it's like amazing. We're in so many different countries. And I I really, truly appreciate all the listeners who, uh, you know, whether they're trimming, you know, hanging out in the grow room, on the treadmill, whatever it is you're doing, listening to us, uh, just know that it's appreciated. And, uh, you know, we've all obviously been through a lot in the past few weeks, in the past few months. And uh, did you see those the dispensaries that were kind of broken into? Um, I did over the I, last week. Burners uh, and yeah, and be reels. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, and Debbie Goldsberry, who's been right. a guest on the show as well. Her place, Magnolia, was broken into. It's heartbreaking, uh, and clearly that's the work of professional thieves. Those mm-hmm. these are not uh, protesters. These aren't even looters. These are like, you know. Uh, criminals that are taking advantage of you know chaotic times like they targeted those locations and oh and with guns i mean these are these are professional you know professional robbers who use the cover of you know uh, a chaotic situation uh in order to uh rip off and rob uh, a bunch of different dispensaries It, it, it is a crazy time but but we will make it through and I think, uh, you know, we need to protect our industry. You know what I mean? We're already overtaxed. We're already overregulated. The last thing we need is professional robbers, you know, uh, you know, burglarizing these businesses and uh, people yeah, they, getting they hurt. took advantage of a righteous kind of protest and use that as a, a cover to do this. And of course, you know, dispensaries are somewhat of an easy target because uh, they're not protected by the government um, right and not insured you know right. so it's 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 a shame that that went down that way um i'm hoping people are you know down with protesting you know mm-hmm. peaceful protest is important i think the more people in the streets the more you know things are getting done uh but destroying dispensaries is probably not the best way to go about that so uh yeah i mean it's just uh it's a strange time and it's a, you know, we just got to get through it. And, uh, you know, I think hopefully we're coming out the other side of it at this point, you know, and I think a lot of major changes need to be made, obviously, in our, you know, the way we view uh, policing, you know, <laughs> you know, that's the first thing. And then in just the way we view our fellow human beings um, and, and, and listening to those fellow human beings about their experiences and, and what you know, their experiences that we, we have not experienced. So I think that's really important. And, uh, yeah, I mean, shit, (laughs) (laughs) you know, cannabis is here to heal us and it's here to help us. And I think it's here to also help us understand and walk in other people's shoes a little bit and listen to other people as well. I mean, I think that's the important thing. Uh, you know, don't just, you know, take these things to, you know, take your own personal opinion and and assume that that's the way things are. You have to listen uh, to someone's viewpoint who has been oppressed, you know, and it's it's plainly obvious that this stuff has been going on for far too long. Uh, The police are out of control. Anyone who smokes cannabis knows, 
you know, that the police are out of control in some ways. And so, you know, uh, reining that in is not a bad thing. And, you know, it's not an easy thing either. So it's not easy (laughs) for sure, for sure. But I think there's a better world on the other side of this. Our priorities are mixed up and, and, and that's kind of where things stand. We need to reshuffle our priorities. Indeed we do. As we do that, this show will continue to bring you great cultivation information and cannabis knowledge for what that's worth. It's, it's worth, you know, a relatively small amount in the grand scheme of things, but it's what we do. And we'll continue to do that. And um, you yeah. know what? what? What do you say? I know we're about to, to wrap it up, but what do you say we give some recommendations? I think in this uh, particular time, uh, people are probably looking for maybe something of a distraction. So if you have anything you think people should be reading or listening to or watching, uh, it might be a good time to throw out a nice recommendation from Danny Danko. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I just finished uh, a show on Amazon Prime uh, called Tales from the Loop, which I found to be very interesting. It's not, uh, you know, kind of your typical thriller kind of show, uh, fast-paced kind of show. It takes it takes its time, but it's very interesting and very, uh, it has some depth to it. Uh, um, and it's all about, like, uh, you know, physics and things like that. So uh, I highly recommend getting high very highly <laughs> and checking out Tales from the Loop uh, on Amazon Prime, it's uh, it's pretty intense, and uh, it might take you a minute to like, you know, find the groove, but you'll find it, and uh, it's it's quite interesting and thought provoking, and fun thing to watch when you're high. Sounds good. Yeah, I'm definitely yeah, gonna what check about that you, out. Mike? You got anything? Yeah, I got one. Uh, we're both doing a uh, um, you know stuff to watch, but what the heck? Uh, I've got one. It's called Too Funny to Fail. It's a documentary about the Dana Carvey show, which you might have missed it because it only ran for eight episodes, but it was a a sketch comedy show that aired in 1996. And uh, the documentary is fascinating because it turns out that that show was Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert's first gig in television. And they were on this sketch show with Dana Carvey, and the writing room was Rob Smigel, uh, you know, from Saturday Night Live fame, of course, Dana Carvey. They had Louis C.K. They had Charlie Kaufman, who went on to win the Academy Award for um, uh, wow. a, a number of what he did, uh, being John Malkovich, I think, and uh, Ad- adaptation. adaptation. Yeah. Uh, so a, a crazy amount of talent, uh, not just the, the actors, Stephen Colbert, Steve Carell, Dana Carvey, but also the writing room. Uh, and, and yet it only went uh, only aired for eight episodes and got canceled. So really interesting documentary if you're a fan of comedy or just curious about how that much talent could only last for eight episodes, uh, too funny to fail. It's on Hulu. Nice. I will yeah. check that out. I have not seen that. So that's a, a good one for me too. Yeah. Recommendations. If you guys have recommendations, let us know. We'd love to hear what you're watching or listening to or reading. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, yeah, we've got quite a show for you guys. We have, uh, the amazing Josh and Kelly from Dragonfly Earth Medicine, uh, up in, uh, Vancouver, Canada. Um, Vancouver Island, I believe. I mean, they're homesteaders. They moved to, you know, basically the middle of nowhere and they, you know, built a life for themselves. And I think it's important to understand how a life like that is lived and how, you know, a closed loop kind of, uh, farm like that can, can help the world. Yeah, absolutely. So what do you say we get right to that interview? Perfect. Let's do it. Uh, so I guess without further ado, Uh, We have Kelly and Josh from Dragonfly Earth Medicine coming up after this short break. All right, we are back and it is the interview portion of the show and we are excited to have Josh and Kelly from Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Welcome, Josh and Kelly. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, thanks, Danny. So nice to see you today. We're really honored to be here. <laughs> Appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, why don't we get started with just telling people about yourselves and how you got involved in in doing what you're doing? Um, you know, I should say that you guys are, you know, uh, dedicated to organic uh, farming. I, I, I would say beyond organic because that you know term has come to mean almost nothing <laughs> at this point, but. Uh, basically closed loop uh, 
growers all about improving soil. So tell me how you how you guys you know got to that place. Well, we um, have been together for a long time, and we met in the early '90s in Oregon, and um, we were just very interested in alternative culture at the time and Grateful Dead and going to the shows and just partaking in medicine and herbalism and an alternative lifestyle became really important to us both at a young age. And uh, then we met in Eugene when Kelly was going to university and uh, yeah. Yeah. And then we just came up to Canada because we wanted to continue our love of cannabis and we wanted to, you know, continue cultivation on a much larger scale. So we say that we're cannabis Canadian refugees as Americans. And we came up here and uh, found some spots way out in the bush just to do it in nature. And the spots that we had, you know, made it really impossible to buy any kind of amendments or nutrients or anything like that. So we had to do it all from nature and that really, um, I wouldn't say started our our love of of natural regenerative farming, but it really put it into action on a much larger scale. Um, and it involved cannabis at that time. So we were living far away in the mountains, and it wasn't just about growing; it was about saving food, and it was about herbalism and midwifery and mycology, and we were studying mushrooms and everything like that. And then we just got to the point where we were <clears throat> had this na natural style of growing living where we lived and then we were that's when we started dragonfly earth medicine with our products which we felt mimicked the the lifestyle that we were growing yeah. that we were living on. and basically it's just if plants are having ailments or or problems we were just using the herbs and the plants that we had around us rather than going and asking people at the grow store how we could cure plants so it just took all of holistic health and well-being that uh, education that I have with women and children and put it into plants. It's a female plant. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, and so tell me a little bit about your farm uh, and how you farm and improve upon soil year after year. This is an important thing that uh, people are, uh, especially now uh, with a renewed interest in regenerative, regenerative farming and, uh, I think, you know, t talk about your farm and how you were able to improve your soil. We moved up to British Columbia and to the West Kootenai area, and we lived, we lived very, like I said, very far away from town and out in the mountains. So what we did is we looked towards like, you know, to the trees and to the nature around us and started seeing the the soil and, and what we had available to us because our land really wasn't super fertile. We do live in a community that no one ever used chemicals, so we felt comfortable there. But we um, started building our soil. And so when we moved here, we studied um, homesteading growing and Quaker growing and biodynamics and natural farming. And what we did is we studied the old world way of building soil and using plants for fodder for animals and <clears throat> how to keep animals in balance. And so we just quickly learned the lasagna style of soil building is, is one word. I mean, you could just say layering and mulching. And you know, we quickly realized the, the strength of wood chips and carbon and uh, through the cannabis community that we've developed, um, you know, we, we furthered that, that practice. Um, but yeah, the, the soil building and digging into the earth and going subterranean and creating um, greenhouses that were submerged into the earth, you know, that, that, that submerged area with, with soil and sort of make a microbiological sink. And we just saw incredible health coming from the plants. Yeah. And, and, and the, our land is a pretty much a southwest facing rock it's it's all rocky so we had to build up so now we're 13 years on this land and before we were eight years on another farm and you know at the very beginning we had to do a lot of teas and ferments to try to really bring up the nutrients and the microbiology in the soil and now after this is our 13th year we're looking at like 14. four 14th year it's our 14th year uh we're looking at like four Feet of amazing soil that was all just made by piling nature on top of each other. So it would, we just mimic nature. What does she do? Let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> and what does it mean to, to grow in a closed loop system? 
So closed loop meaning, you know, coming using nutrients and plants from your land and recognizing the nutrient value on your land and and also finding out what you don't have growing on your land and trying to get it growing on your land. But closed loop farming means taking plants and bushes and trees from your land and creating soil or nutrients out of it. The reason why that makes sense is because in this modern world, we don't know what happens to nutrients or or to materials as they get shipped around the world. We don't know if it's been fumigated. We don't know where it came from. We do, you know, we ask our manufacturers for our products for, um, for toxicity reports and, and everything. But the like like Rudolf Steiner, the teaching of closed loop farming is that it's clean, it's pure, it's from your land, and you know what went into it. And and the and the definition of closed loop, which I think is just really important, is that it starts and it finishes on your land. So, you know, part of closed loop farming could be we're talking about soil, which is what Josh was just talking about. But also, if you're collecting rainwater off of your land, and then you're putting that rainwater on your garden, that's also considered a really amazing closed loop. You can build a a wonderful rain catchment on your own land, it rains out of the sky, and then you use that water on your gardens. That's a farming closed loop. It starts and it finishes on your land. Also, another really easy closed loop is sun-grown. It shines, sun shines on your property, you're collecting it into your plants, that's a closed loop. It starts and it finishes on your land. So what we're doing within the DemPure certification is just how many closed loops that can you have? And that's going to bring better health and well-being and a higher biological intelligence to your soil and to the environment on your land when you have more and more closed loops. I, I'll just add one quick thing. It, it is um, possible not to have everything on your land. So, I mean, it, you know, it, and so maybe it's not always that you get everything from your land, but you very intelligently collect things from as close to your land as possible to maybe fill in some of those nutrients or those micronutrients that you don't have, or maybe some of that biology that you don't have. You know, closed loop is a very much a goal and it is very hard to achieve unless you have a lot of land. So it's like you can have your farm closed loop and then your community closed loop. So being closed loop within your own community is incredibly powerful. And that's something that we can look at as a model that really goes against big ag and really challenges it, which we think is is building better soil. Yeah. And now are cover crops part of that uh, process as well? Yes, we really think that cover cropping can be magnificent. Um, a cover cropping can take a lot of seed. And getting cover crop seeds this year was actually pretty difficult because with the COVID and with the pandemic, there was a lot of people buying food seeds and buying seeds. So seeds were difficult to get this year for people. And that's a good teaching too. So it's important that if you're going to grow cover crop and maybe you just take some of that cover crop and put it in a a pot or a different part of the land and just grow it out for seed because that seed is pretty easy to to create so but but back to cover cropping it's phenomenal how much nutrients can come out of cover cropping and the best thing is you just let it grow up to before it seeds and then you you know drop to the land land and let the soil eat it and that's incredible nutrients so you can just create your own nutrients really easily with cover crops and there's a lot of different kinds of cover crops And that's just part of, uh, you know, when we talk about creating your own biomass on your land, when you're creating your own cover crops and your own seed, that is also a closed loop. So you can buy a whole lot of cover crop seed from another location and it's not going to be until, you know, that seed becomes completely acclimated to your own land. Is it going to really offer the health and well-being that your own environment and your soil can, can offer? So it's really awesome to get things maybe from the outside, like seed for a cover crop, but then make it intelligent by creating a closed loop with it within and, your own farm or community. And really quickly, it's also very um, a very good way to propagate mycorrhizal fungi when you're not if you're on outdoors and you don't have a plants growing, you can use the cover crop to keep the mycorrhizal fungi growing. Yeah, because so many of us are not, se- you know, are seasonal cannabis growers. Right now, you mentioned mycology. Uh, how important are mushrooms and mycelia 
to your growing process and to, you know, just you guys in general? You know, it's uh, it's all part of the really important big picture. Mycelium and mushrooms are very much so like human beings. They breathe in oxygen and they exhale carbon dioxide. So having a very fungal-rich soil or a fungal-rich area the soil and those beings are breathing air for the plants and the plants are breathing air for the fungi. And also you hear a lot about carbon sequestration and carbon farming and carbon and, um, and, and leaf and grass is one thing that feeds fungi. So the, the, you know, using those cover crops or letting those cover crops dry out and turn into dry brown material feeds fungi. And so a lot of times when people, um, test their soils indoors or in other places that are often very low in organic matter and also very low in fungi. And fungi really moves nutrients and, and really uh, fuses and infuses nutrients into the plants easy, as like bacteria, but fungi is a little bit of a more dominant um, species. And, you know, you were asking just really quickly about uh, you know, how is it important in our own lives? Well, you know, microbiology is everything. Microbiology is why we're living and breathing here right now. You know, microbiology and, and living organisms are in every single cell of our body, which is the mitochondria. So the only reason why we're alive and able to have these wonderful discussions is because of microbiology. There's a much higher intelligence in the microbiome, in the soil, within our own microbiome, or even the microbiome of the plant that gives us all this intelligence to be able to grow, to be able to be a creationist. And, you know, mushrooms are a fruiting body of those particular fungi. So you can have, you know, thousands and thousands of different species of fungi within your soil that you might not ever see. But those mushrooms are something that comes up and out of the soil that is like a fruiting body of, of fungi. So fungi, we're, we're breathing it, we're eating it, we're, we're you know, living it, we're putting it in our soil. So the more diversity of fungi that we can get into our soil is going to create a much higher intelligence in our soil, also within our own microbiome. So what Josh was touching on is that creating a carbon-rich soil is creating fodder or food for all of those different species of fungi. So you're really inviting in all these different species if you have different food or fodder for all different types of fungi, you know. And there's some levels there. to it. Mushroom, uh, you know, fungi and mycelium grows on the roots of plants and actually feeds the plants. So there, there's so much to it. You know, there, it can also filter water, which saves groundwater for the rivers and there's a lot of layers to it yeah so. so we're talking about the microbiome within the plant and then that intelligence puts out a message into the soil and then that message is received by other intelligent microorganisms within the soil and fungi is a big part of that that then the plant can uptake she like puts out especially cannabis puts out this beautiful sugary lovely you know active components into the soil that draws all these wonderful beneficials so the more beneficial your plant is the more beneficial of a voice that she's going to have underneath the soil to be able to call in that fungi to help her grow in her ultimate potential nice <laughs> awesome um, let's talk about some of the products that you guys have uh, at dragonflyearthmedicine.com. Um, these are available uh, in the U.S. as well, correct? Yeah, they, oh, yeah. they are based mostly out of the U.S. and sent out of the U.S. and Canada. Mm -hmm. um, we also send, we have a distributor, Martin, out in Ireland. And so we work out of Europe as well. Which is awesome. Big ups to Martin. So there's beneficial teas uh, that we can maybe start with because I think that's, uh, probably the, you know, the, the thing that people would be most interested in is the different teas. Uh, but if you could tell me a little bit about, uh, those products and, and the applications. 
Yeah, so let's start with Lush Roots. Um, Lush Roots is the mycorrhizal fungi. And when we say beneficial teas, people are talking about brewing teas, but mycorrhizal fungi is one thing that does not need to be brewed and doesn't propagate or grow in a brew tea. So people should know that. Most people do, some people don't. But um, mycorrhizal spores grow only on living roots. So Lush Roots, to use it properly, you'd maybe... Uh, add a little bit to the to your transplanting hole or directly to your roots. And in the what makes our mycorrhizal fungi different than most other companies out there, and what makes it so effective is that it has uh, um, humates, wild yam, nettles, alfalfa, and kelp, which are um, ingredients and herbs that feed the fungi once it uh, once it grows on the plants roots. And I sort of wanted to just go back and sort of tell the story about our brews. I think that it's really important um, to touch on that. You know, every single one of the ingredients in our product is something that we've already tried and tested on our own land because the base of all of those nutrients is actually a pregnancy tea blend. So my background is in naturopathic medicine and midwifery. I work with early childhood development and women and gynecology. So I've forever been, you know, giving this prescription out for a recipe that women can make in their own home that grows beautiful babies because it's totally, completely nutrient, you know, holistic nutrients, holistic minerals. And, you know, one year I had an extra big bag that I didn't get out to all of my ladies and my patients. So I thought, oh, I wonder what it would be like to brew this for a cannabis plant. And that was when I was in my super early 20s and it was unbelievable. So there's an amazing crossover between herbalism for human beings and herbalism for plants. We're so much like plants. We really forget they also have this incredible, intelligent microbiome in the same way that we do. Just like, you know, this really holistic supplemental nutrient, we just said, let's try it out. And then, you know, year after year, we thought, wow, we can make a really easy brew that everybody else in the world can try. So all of our herbs are human grade, but totally organic, like what we were talking about before. People can't make their own soil. People can't drag stuff out of the woods and create this beautiful fungal dominant, you know, full microbiome soil. So we created a tea that people can just add to their soil that creates a quick intelligence that plants can really understand and grow from. And I think, as you know, the plant is a female generally that we're growing and we recognize that the epigenetics, you know, the way that the plant is affected by its environment and we use these herbs to enhance its feminine qualities like the, the pregnancy teas we're doing with women. And so we definitely recognize a huge difference. And then and also using plant and leaf medicine for plants, it's just innate. It's part of what the plant does. So, um, yeah, so then we also realized algae so if we if we want to talk maybe specifically about the products for a second the the radiant green is the the grow the um the vegetative tea and it has spirulina in it which is a single-celled algae which really gives a lot of life to um to a new growing plant um and there is uh just a beautiful amount of herbs in there that are that are really unique to what we have the fat flowers has raw cacao and wild yam in it and also turkey rhubarb and uh burdock root and so those roots are high in potassium and we, we've as a, as a community, the NPK thing or synthetic growing was very just NP and K. So now we realize that all these herbs are the whole full picture, which allows a full spectrum plant and, and uh, more medicinal qualities to it. And we started realizing like NPK. And then I started trying to, you know, really challenge the California ag. Like, hey, can I list the calcium? Can I list other things? Can I list the copper, the boron? Like, that's equally as important as NPK. And then, oh, no, no, we only want NPK. That's what's going to consider you a fertilizer. So, you know, we challenged that system for, you know, seven years to try to get our calcium levels and, and, and our magnesium levels and our boron levels on there. But, 
you know, not not allowed. So NPK still rules, you know, big ag and, and how labeling goes, but we're really challenging it by if you pick up any of our jars, it's going to have exactly the percentage of exactly what's in there, what we put in there. If you want to make it at home yourself, by all means, do it. We definitely would appreciate, though, if you could do it in a fresh way, because the fresh herbs are going to be way better than dried herbs. But those of you who can't get the dried herbs, I mean, can't have the fresh herbs, dried herbs are the next best thing, just like a beautiful cup of tea over a fresh sprig of mint, you know, what's going to be better, but so all of our products have micronized herbs and all of them have bacteria in it. Even the humates has bacteria and alfalfa in it. So really everything is meant to just be alive, eating and living and transforming. So if you have purchased soil from a bag, our, we, our products are some of the best things you can get because you would put those herbs into a brew container without a bag and you would use the um, worm castings or some kind of compost without a bag. And we suggest bubbling and brewing the herbs and the bacteria and all the worm castings together and then pumping it out onto your soil. So really in the end, you want all those worm castings and all those herbs to be sitting on top of your soil when you're finished, not in a bag that you throw away because then it can continue feeding the soil. And building it. And, and then you could layer a le- another little bit of, of say, mulch on top of that feeding. And then it just kind of creates a water feed system. Or back to cover cropping, just All like life- you said, Danny. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love that there's volcanic ash in there as well in some of those products. Um, now, uh, you also have these mycocana caps. Uh, and these are CBD hemp uh, and medicinal mushroom blend, uh, which sounds very intriguing to me. Can you tell me a little bit about those as well? Yeah, well, we've never, we've been making medicine from cannabis for, you know, almost 30 years now. And whenever we've made medicine for people and something that I've prescribed to even women and children and and animals, we live, you know, on a homestead. So all of our neighbors are also on a homestead. So, you know, whenever there's a goat that's sick or a horse that's sick or an animal, I'm always the first one that gets called to, to come out and help. So I started really going deep down the rabbit hole of mycology and understanding the incredible importance of fungi in our own microbiome as an adaptogen. And what an adaptogen means is that it has a higher intelligence than what we know that it can do. So an adaptogen adapts to what it is that your body needs. And that particular recipe in the mycocana caps is all of the herbs, the Chinese herbs, as well as the cannabis, as well as all of the mushrooms are 100% adaptogenic. So it's an incredible adaptogenic blend that you can take. And people always say, well, how is it going to make me feel? And I say, hey, let me know. Let me know. You, you tell me how it's going to make you feel because the mushrooms and the, and, and the cannabis is, is a way higher intelligence than I am. So get back to me on that. And it, it's not to say that we don't know what what it, what it yeah. is to say is that we have such a tremendous list of powerful, transformative, curative changes that have come from this medicine. That it's it's very it's really serious. And and another word that we we hear a lot is nootropics. So some of the 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 mushrooms that we have are nootropic and and that's N-O-O tropic. And that's the, the uh, like regenerative, it's um, a cell regeneration herb. So sometimes our brains are degenerating or sometimes our body is degenerating and we, we need to regenerate it. And nootropic herbs and nootropic medicine does that for us. And that's a really important medicine in these times. It's kind of toxic in the world that we live in. And these are allies for us. I think with the mycocana caps, it's part of the psychedelic revolution and part of the mind um, opening thing of recognizing medicinal mushroom powers and and seeing the transformative cancer curing um, and beyond cancer um, uh consciousness and everything but the 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 mushrooms are so powerful and then cannabis was like in its own realm it was underground you know now it's recreational but it's so cannabis centric that it just makes so much sense to bring the two modalities together and that's why this medicine is powerful and that's what makes it different than all the other medicine and in our medicine we do really holistic so as it is above is as it is below 
So it's really important to talk about flowers and compounding them with the fungi that, that is below. And it always made sense to us. So we mix flowers with roots and mushrooms and, and old Chinese recipes. And, you know, this has been 15 years in the making that, that we feel like we've really got an incredible oil that really is, is, and it's it, phenomenal. It and, has, and it's not just coming from us. This is intelligence of the cannabis and the mushroom. This is something that we've put together because they've given us that intelligence. So I want to give it up to the to nature. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. And people can purchase these caps at uh, dragonflyearthmedicine.com. Um, and what would you say to the, you know, the person who's out there growing, you know, a few plants and and, you know, hydroponically, let's say with uh, rock wool and, and some type of, you know, three part uh, salt, you know, chemical uh, system. Uh, what would you say to them as far as, you know, uh, shifting over to more, more natural methods and, and sun grown and things like that? Well, I think that having everybody who is growing is wanting to have a really deep, beautiful relationship with cannabis. It's not just about the money. It's not just about that we're going against the system. It's not just about anarchy for something. It's also about this incredible relationship with cannabis. And I think so many people can understand me when I say that cannabis to a lot of us is sometimes the most important relationship that we have with anyone or anything on the planet. So I really encourage all of you people out there who are growing synthetically to deeper your relationship with cannabis. She has so much more to offer you and the community and the people who ingest your medicine are you're going to just reach a much higher level of connection, a much higher level of understanding what it is that you're doing. So and through that, you'll start realizing how less garbage is created and how you're not just not creating garbage, you're actually creating more life on the earth. So using cannabis as a higher level of consciousness, just go ahead and try a few plants in soil. It's it's actually easier. You know, you think, oh, I have my parts per million feeding program and I know exactly what to do. But when you trust in soil, you have a balance there and a base that that is uh it makes it it's it's nice and it's it satisfies the soul. And it's and it's so much cheaper and easier once you sort of get in on that motion and and just allow the teachings of nature and allow the teachings of the plant. It just will blast you wide open. And, and it's a, and it's an incredible high to be able to smoke that weed from a living soil system with the ultimate potential of that particular varietal. It just is a real amazing it just, turn it's on. It's ferocious. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> right on. Well, tell people where they can find you guys uh, on the web, on social media, uh, and how they can, you know, acquire these amazing products. So um, yes. we would uh, also just like to tell people that we've created a certification called the Pure Certification for Cannabis. And it's um, a group and it's a community of growers. And we would like to encourage people to look up the website, dempurefarms.com. And you can see on there all the farms that are pure certified. And every one of those farms are really, really amazing. Where you can find our personal products is at Dragonfly Earth medicine.com we've listed all of the products that we have in our i mean all the ingredients in our products and why they're important so there's a, there's also articles and there's a tremendous amount of information on our websites when you get into it and also instagram dragonfly earth medicine and facebook we're super lame at we haven't checked it in probably a year but facebook, so. <laughs> we do have a facebook page and it is a really good resource when it you is. look back at the photos and look back at the the albums that we have there. a lot of education anybody can reach us and we don't ever we not answer questions so if you hit up our dm if you hit up our contact page if you are trying to get a hold of us it's usually me or josh that's answering there's no question that's too small or too silly we are here to help we are here to get people onto the program we don't care if you're using our products or not that has nothing to do with this we're just you know and being mentored a, by nature and passing on that information. We're, we're a company of four people. So <laughs> big love to Tommy and Laurel down in Oregon. Right on. Well, listen, thank you so much for sharing your story. 
uh, sharing your secrets, sharing your products with us, uh, Josh and Kelly and Dragonfly Earth Medicine. Thank you. Thank you, Danny. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much to Josh and Kelly from Dragonfly Earth Medicine. That was very informative and interesting. And uh, they've got a lot of amazing things going on over there. That's pretty exciting. It is. Yeah, it's a unique way of, uh, of looking at, at growing and at business. So very cool perspective there. Absolutely. Uh, and we are in the cultivation section. We are. And, you know, it, it's been a, a period of time, I think, Fortnite. since our last... Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Fortnite, yes. Strain of the Fortnite. Strain of the Fortnite. Okay. This week's strain of the Fortnite is Chem Scout from IC Collective. Uh, this is basically like kind of a West Coast branch of the Chemdog fam. Uh, it was founded in 2009. Uh, IC Collective is literally like one of the finest, uh, you know, connoisseur quality cannabis producers. Um, with really boutique strains. I mean, I, I haven't had a bad strain or uh, product from them ever. Uh, the Chem Scout is a cross between the original Chem 91, uh, which a lot of people love, of course, uh, from our friend Chem Dog, and the Thin Mint Cookies. So it's a male, I, th- I believe the male is Thin Mint Cookies, and I think that's where the name Scout comes from because you got your Girl Scouts and you got your Boy Scouts. And I think uh, the boy in this situation was the Thin Mint Cookies. Uh, crossing with the Chem 91, it actually earned them a first place Indica Flower Award uh, in 2014 at the NorCal Cannabis Cup uh, that we did up, uh, I believe, in Sonoma County. Um, it's really a well-balanced combination of euphoric and sort of narcotic effects. It's Really, like, just an amazing uh, feeling that you get from that strain. Uh, really good indica. So it's great for insomnia, great for body pain. Um, it really kind of, you know, it's got that couch lock effect, uh, which is great. And it's very potent and powerful. Um, so that un- indica dominant, uh, you know, variety that really honors its roots, which is, you know, that Chem 91, by also remaining contemporary uh, with the Thin Mint Cookies cross. And, you know, one of the things they do really well is uh, pheno hunting. And so this one was really found, you know, out of a large population. And, and you know, these are really the well-selected. You know, if there's anything you can say about uh, IC Collective, it's, it's that selection process is just amazing. And flowering time is uh, eight weeks. Uh, if you want to contact them, it's iccollective.net. And, uh, yeah, amazing chem scout. That's the, that's the strain of the Fortnite. and cheers to them for winning awards with it. And for, you know, being like a honorary, you know, branch of, of that chem family. Cause there's lots of people who use those genetics, um, in vain, you know what I mean? And don't honor, uh, the creators and the truth and all that. And then there's people like I see who are actually like, uh, you know, friendly and loyal and, and good people. So cheers to them. And thanks for the chem scout, iccollective.net. Um, yeah, that's the strain of the Fortnite. And it sounds like a good one. So yeah, if you can get your hands on some of that, you definitely should. Uh, so this uh, traditionally is the part of the show where you give a little talk about a subject in cultivation. Uh, is there something that you would like to, um, elucidate something you would like to speak on? <laughs> Yeah, I think, um, you know, I'd like to talk about harvesting. I know I've taught, you know, we've, we've done all these in the past, I would imagine, but every time, you know, you learn something new and, uh, I really want to just go over what, you know, what I think the ideal, uh, harvesting method is. And I think, you know, the first thing is when to harvest. And we've talked about this before, but again, you know, you got to get a close look, you got to use a loop or a magnifying glass and really look at the actual glandular trichome. Uh, and look at the gland head uh, and see what's going on inside that gland head. So when you look at the gland head up close, you'll see, you know, a stalk and a head. And, you know, as the plant's growing and flowering, uh, you'll see that forming and sort of getting more bulbous at, you know, at the front of it, at the head of it. Uh, But it'll be clear and eventually start to go cloudy and then eventually go amber. 
And this all happens, you know, in kind of like a two-week period, uh, maybe a three-week period. Depends really on the strain. But um, typically, you know, around 55, 60 days or so, um, you'll see this transformation. That's from the day that you flip the lights. Uh, and then you just want to take a close look and make sure that, you know, most of the trichomes are cloudy. You know, a few will be amber, a few will be, will be clear. But if the majority of them are cloudy, you're probably uh, right in, inside that harvest window. And now's the time to take it down. Now, depending on the size of the plants, if you have plants that are, let's say, under, you know, three feet or two feet or so, uh, then, you know, they had a short vegging period and they've sort of flowered uh, and remained pretty short and stocky. You can trim a whole plant. You know, you just cut it at the base uh, and hang it to dry. Now, ideally, I do believe at this point that you should ha hang dry the plants. Um, you know, buck, buck the you know, take off the big fan leaves, uh, but leave everything else on there. You know, just pull the fan leaves, uh, take them off all the way down. You know, to the base. So you don't want the the stems of the fan leaves. You don't want to trim them so that those those big you know, sticks are still sit, sticking there. Um, you know, pull them, yank them out and at the base. Uh, and then just hang the plants up uh, whole. Now, if they're bigger than two or three feet, you're going to want to, you know, separate them into sections. Now, the best way to do that is just to start at the top and, and find the first, you know, big branch from your, your main bud and cut just below that. And you've created, you know, you have that side branch and you have that main branch and now you can hang it without, you know, using any kind of safety pins or any kind of uh, BS. You just hang it right there, like on the V that you just cut out. And then you just work your way down the plant one, you know, one node at a time. Uh, and you basically use that little V that's there to hang the plant. There's a better description of it and illustrations of it in my book. Uh, but it's, it's an easy way to sort of, divide up the plant and have it be hanging to dry. Um, now, it should take about seven to 10 days or so to dry. If it's too dry in your room, too hot in your room, it's gonna happen too quickly and you're gonna dry it too quick and that's not good. So if you need to add humidifiers, you wanna add you know, uh, even air conditioning if, if it's a situation where it's just too hot. Terpenes, you know, just go out into the air. Anytime you smell cannabis, you're smelling you know, those terpenes in the air and, and they're very volatile, some of them. So they will be released at low temperatures. So I like a cold cure, you know, a cold, dry, cold cure, uh, you know, somewhere like 60 degrees or lower if you can, you know, I mean, but any, if it's 75, 80 degrees, it's a problem. So hang them to dry, you know, ideally that should take about seven days or so. Uh, once they're sort of popcorn dry on the outside, then you can trim the rest of the sugar leaves off you keep those to make hash or butter or whatever you might want to make uh but that allows the plant to dry a little more slowly as well because there's just more material on there then you cut the individual buds off of those branches and put them inside a jar and once they're inside the jar that's the curing process you put them in the jar uh you got to open up the jar refresh the air inside the jar once a day, sometimes maybe twice a day, really depends on when you put them in there. And this is a subtle science, you know, you're basically just trying to get that last bit of moisture out, but slowly, you know, you don't want that green chlorophyll grassy taste, uh, you know, or just no flavor at all that you get from, from, you know, flash cure, just stuff that's just quick dried. So, uh, at that point, uh, you know, you've got it in the jar, you're burping the jars. That's what we call opening up the jars, uh, you know, once or twice a day, just to replenish the air, get the moist air out, uh, and then pull the moisture from the middle of the bud out. Again, when you put the bud, you put, you put what you think is a dry bud inside a jar and seal it, the moisture redistributes itself. And now you pull it out an hour or two later and it feels moist again. That's that inner moisture working its way out. And you're just basically slowing that process down when you're curing uh, and until you get, you know, let's say three, four weeks down the road with the jar. And now you're feeling that you've kind of reached an equilibrium there in the jar and you can grind up the flour and you can smoke it and you'll be able to tell if there's some off 
off-putting flavors or, or scents or odors or any of that, um, you'll be able to tell. And if you need to go back into the jar for a little while, that's fine. Um, always keep that jar in a cool, dark place. You know, light degrades THC, uh, heat degrades THC. And yeah, to me, that's the cure. You know, uh, people always ask, do you want to trim immediate, you know, trim all the flowers immediately? No, I don't agree with that anymore. I have done that in the past, um, but I don't believe in it. I believe in hang drying as well, rather than laying out buds on racks. And I believe in jar curing rather than, you know, paper bags or plastic tubs or anything like that. And one final note I would say is that when you're trimming, and you're trimming that sugar leaf off, get as much of that leaf off as you can. Uh, you can, oh, like I said, you if it's there's trichomes on there, you can use that to make hash, you can use it to make butter, you can use it to make uh, oil, whatever you wanna do with it. But, you know, uh, the flowers should be showcased without with as little leaf as possible. Uh, and that's, you know, that's the harvesting process. And there you have it. All right on, there you go. That's the uh, process for harvesting. And uh, normally, at this point in the show, we would do our uh, Q&A, you know, questions from our listeners. Now, we're going to do a game this week instead of that. But before we get to that, there was a question that relates to this subject, and it comes from Colin in Chicago. So maybe you just want to give Colin a quick answer here. Let's do it. Uh, he writes, uh, one question that popped into my head during uh, the episode, when monitoring trichome color to determine the best time to harvest... Could I harvest different parts of the plant at different times in order to test which development I prefer? Or would that damage uh, the later harvested buds? So so what do you think? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that's a good question, Colin, and thank you for that. Uh, a lot of people do this. They harvest uh, the tops of their plants, particularly, you know, growers with big, huge plants uh, will harvest the tops, uh, you know, because they mature a little bit quicker than lower branches. Um, so you can harvest the tops and then, you know, a week or so later, harvest lower branches. If, if you wish a lot of, you know, long flowering sativas will have these windows of a harvest windows where, you know, between week 12 and 13 or something, you, you know, you harvest, then you get this effect. You go to week 15, you, you know, harvest, then you get a whole entirely different effect. Um, all I will say is that when you harvest early, uh, you know, trichome content hasn't reached its peak. So you result with like a very heady high um, with less of a psychoactive effect. Um, harvesting when the trichomes are mostly cloudy um, is going to be kind of like peak uh, peak essential oil content uh, and trichome production. And that's really a balanced ideal if that's what you're looking for. And then if you let them go longer and they're mostly amber, you'll get, uh, you know, what happens is thc and, and and cbd will degrade to cbn and you'll get something um that'll have a, a heavier physical effect a more lethargic kind of feeling um from that sort of degradation degrading of the thc so um but again like you know to answer your question the harvest windows are such that you can take the tops uh and and then you know harvest those separately and then harvest the uh, lower branches just keep them separated uh so that you don't you know mix them all together when it comes time to throw them into jars and cure all right very good uh, we hope that helps you out there colin and uh, if you have a question that you'd like dan to answer on this show you can reach us uh email it's info at growbudyourself.com and of course on socials uh, he is at danny danko I am at Mike Check G. The show is at Grow Bud Yourself. So uh, definitely reach out to us. We're going to do a bunch of questions in next week's episode. But this week, I want to play a game. Greetings and welcome. I want to play a game. So sometimes you make mistakes. Fortunately, Danny Danko is here to take you back in time in the Grow Room time machine to fix those mistakes. So what do you say? We're gonna go back in time. <laughs> Let's do it. Grow room time machine. Okay. First up, uh, I was in my garden today, and I noticed webbing on my plants. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it sounds like you have spider mites, and it sounds like you have an infestation, and if we're gonna go back in time, 
uh, we're going to want to catch that infestation long before these mites have matured uh, enough to actually be forming webs on your flowers. So uh, all of that is about prevention, checking the undersides of your leaves, um, you know, checking your plants for, for uh, tiny little, you know, dots on the, on the fan leaves, little yellow dots, um, white dots. That, that's a sure sign that there's probably spider mites underneath the leaf. If you flip the leaf over and you see little, you know, black or red, you know, tiny little bugs there, get your loop and your microscope, check them out. They're probably spider mites. They're probably uh, a lot more of them than you think, even at that moment. And you need to act immediately uh, to get rid of them. Um, you know, I recommend, obviously, you know, the most organic methods, uh, predator mites, predator insects, ladybugs, things of that nature. Um, and you need to deal with it immediately. You cannot just sit back and be in denial and let this problem get worse. Because if it does get worse, that's when you get the webbing. That's when you get mites traveling from plant to plant, infesting the whole entire garden. And if you know anything about infestations, you know eventually you're going to have to basically just kill everything and start at the beginning and it's it's awful and it's um emotional and it, it's just it's a nightmare to to deal with it at that level so prevent identify and act all right there you go and i think i speak for everybody uh, who's listening to this show right now when i say uh fuck spider mites um <laughs> absolutely yeah okay let's do let's do another one. uh after inspecting my plants I notice that the tips of my leaves are turning brown. <laughs> All right. Uh, so burnt leaf tips, uh, to me, are a sure sign of overfeeding. It just means you've been giving your plant too much food. It's not enough. Uh, it, it's not processing the food quick enough, and it's going to result in burnt leaf tips. And that's the plant's first sign to tell you, hey, there's too much food uh you know, you're giving us you're too much. We can't process it. Uh, so you need to immediately cut back on nutrients. I, you know, depending on how, how bad the problem is, you may need to flush out your medium and basically start, you know, start from scratch with like a much lower, milder solution. Uh, but you really need to immediately uh, rethink how you're feeding the plants and consider that you may be overfeeding them and dial it way down and hopefully you'll see the new growth will be lush and green and not have those burnt tips. All right. Very good. Uh, let's go back to the present now. And, uh, okay. My outdoor crop is showing signs of mold. <laughs> All right. Uh, this is not a good thing either. Uh, and it's a problem that plagues a lot of people. If you want to go back in time and deal with the situation, um, you know, the first thing is if you can cover the plants and keep them from getting rained on, uh, with even, you know, some kind of tarp or, or anything you can to sort of cover them is great. If you know that, then they won't get rained on, but you still have the issue of the dew in the morning. Um, you know, the droplets that just sort of form on all the plants in the morning in humid areas. And that is a, you know, festering area for, for mold. So if you can get out there to your outdoor plants and shake them up, you know, in the morning, shake off that morning dew and all that water, um, that's very helpful. Uh, you know, if they're inside a greenhouse or something like that and you, and you can employ heaters in the greenhouse to burn off some of that morning dew, that's really good too. Um, you know, obviously cut out any moldy parts of any flowers just to keep that mold from spreading. Uh, consider, you know, harvesting what's unaffected immediately because mold spreads very quickly. And I think, uh, you know, some people may, may just want to just, you know, cut ties and, and, and uh, depending on how far along you are. But, you know, the key is just to get that water, uh, that moisture out of your flowers and uh you know outdoors it's tough like i said you know you're at the mercy of your environment and your climate but uh there are things mitigating factors like covering the plants uh heating the area around the plants and you know shaking off the plants uh, when they are filled up with water 
are things you can do um, to avoid mold. All right, very good. Uh, what do you say? Let's do a couple more here. So we're in the present, um, and I noticed that my uh, there are yellow leaves on my indoor crop. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Uh, yellow leaves are deceptive because this could be a nutrient issue, meaning uh, there's not enough nitrogen, not enough, uh, you know, nutrient being fed to the plant, but it could also potentially be a, a pH issue, uh, potential hydrogen, which basically is just a measurement of the acidity or alkalinity of your medium uh, or of the nutrient solution that you're adding. So uh, if you rule out pH and you know that, you know, you're giving your plants optimum, you know, if it, they're in soil indoors, you know, you're thinking 6.0 to 6.5. If they're in uh, a hydroponic, uh, you know, reservoir, you're thinking maybe 5.5 to 6.2 or so. Um, that's, if, if you've determined that your pH is in the proper levels, then yellowing leaves is typically a sign of uh, underfeeding. So you may want to just bump up the nitrogen levels and, uh, just nutrient levels in general. And if you should see the plants just start to green up uh, within even just a, a day or two. And if that happens, then you know you diagnosed it properly. All right. We have time to hop in the time machine uh, for one more. So let's do that now. Uh, okay. After harvesting and curing my buds, I noticed they smell like ammonia. Okay. Yeah. This would be a problem in the curing process. Basically, what happened is there's been too much moisture inside your jars and you know going back to what i was talking about with harvesting uh it's a delicate balance there because you're trying to pull that moisture out as slow as possible um to avoid it happening too quickly but at the same time if you're leaving too much moisture in for too long it will get anaerobic inside the jar and there'll be moisture too much moisture there and it'll start to go south and sour. And that's basically your plant composting itself uh, because it's too moist. And that, you know, ammonia type smell typically comes from that. And what you need to do at that point is really basically get rid of those buds because they're probably, uh, you know, off at that point. But the way to avoid it going back in time is to open the jar, you know, and burp it more, fre more frequently uh, and, or, and, or buds in when they're a little more dry, because you'd be surprised how much moisture is hiding inside of what th you would think is a very dry flower. Um, so yeah, I mean, basically just, you know, dial in your, your drying and curing process and you won't have that ammonia smell anymore. All right. Sounds I want to hop in a time machine and get myself some tie stick and some Colombian gold and some you know, Oaxacan and some Acapulco red. <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's what I want the time machine for is some of these old school strains that everybody raves about. There you go. Yeah. Forget killing Hitler. Dan just wants the tie stick. Oh, oh no, okay. I'll kill Hitler too. Oh, okay. hundred percent. Right. <laughs> that was a grow room time machine. This is of course, grow bud yourself. What do you say? We take a little break, come back and wrap it up. Let's do it. All right, so there we have episode number seven, and I think it's time to wrap it up. It is time. This is the wrap. Awesome. Well, thank you so much to uh, Josh and Kelly from Dragonfly Earth Medicine uh, for the great interview. Um, thank you to Jacques and Winstrong uh, for the tune. Thanks to all our sponsors, past and present. Of course, Vapor.com. You can use code GBY, that's the initials for Grow Bud Yourself. GBY gets you 15% off anything at vapor.com. So if you've been thinking about picking up that Puffco Peak or one of those uh, amazing uh, vaporizers that are out there, uh, check out vapor.com. And when you're checking out, use code GBY for 15% off everything on vapor.com. Um, yeah, thanks to Sweet Leaf Nutrients. Uh, you know, an off and on sponsor who are uh, so helpful with us and uh, a great nutrient brand and a great site where you can pick up uh, a lot of other grow equipment as well. Join our Patreon crew. I mean, it's getting fun over there. We've got uh, patreon.com slash Danny Danko, and um, we've got all the episodes there. 
as well as bonus uh, video footage. You can see, uh, you know, behind the scenes kind of stuff and extra bonus uh, outtakes, so to speak, from the show. Uh, and yeah, and, and, and you can support us, you know, for as little as $4.20 a month. Uh, you can support the show uh, and, you know, participate as a listener in the creation of the show because we're going to have people from Patreon actually uh, on the show <laughs> at some point soon, uh, which we're working on as well. So um, if you can, you know, if you can afford it, it's like the cost of a cup of coffee a month uh, to jump on there. I mean, For especially that fancy coffee. For the cost of a cup of coffee a month, you <laughs> right? can clothe Danny Danko and right. read Mike G. So please do so. We're we're starving and freezing. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but yeah. it's fun. It's a fun way to uh, sort of get together with the rest of the community. Uh, and, you know, I don't know. There's extra stuff there, too. So uh, video, uh, audio, and then some. We're going to be posting all kinds of stuff. So And giveaways, again. So lots of interesting stuff there. Patreon.com slash Danny Danko. Vapor.com, code GBY, uh, sweetleaf.com, grow bud yourself. I think uh, the rap has gone has gone long. It's gone but, long. I should yeah. throw this into the rap real quick, though. Uh, if you have any questions, please, we, we would love to answer some of your grow questions. So get us uh, the email address is info at growbudyourself.com. We're also going to have uh, our friend Dr. Mitch back on the show uh, soon. So if you have science questions that you're interested in, uh, you could send those as well. All right, questions that are unrelated to cultivation, but, you know, you know anything you might want to know about the munchies or, you know, uh, cannabis and, you know, inspiration or all kinds of different, you know, he, he's an expert on, uh, on cannabis and its effects and all of that. So, uh, and I don't know, is that it? Are we wrapping it up? Yeah, what do you say? We, we wrap it up. All right, let's put this one in the books. Episode seven. Take care, y'all.